Welcome to the Configure It Done podcast. The Configure It Done podcast is a place where successful thought leaders in the SAP space come to share their leadership styles, their tips, and their unique stories on how to run successful large-scale SAP programs. Listen to the podcast to learn from their successes, their failures, their career stories, and their inspirations. This podcast is in partnership with the Black Dog Institute, who aim to create a mentally healthier world for everyone. If you wish to support the cause, please donate via the link below. Going. So, um, yeah, welcome. Uh, season four, episode two of the Configure It Done podcast. Uh, I'm back with my colleague, Bethany. Um, she's been great on the, the previous uh, couple of podcasts. And um, she's brought along a fantastic guest uh, today, um, Alexander Farragut. Nice to meet you. Oh, thanks, Jay. Um, thanks for, for introducing me to your, to your podcast and, and, the, and the team. No problem. So um, Bethany's asked me to do the quick fire question round first, just to get to know you. Uh, for those of you that don't know um, Lexi, um, is it okay to call you Lexi, by the way? Yeah. So yeah, most people know me as Lexi or, or Lex. So um, yeah. Excellent. All right. So um, Lexi, let's uh, dive into the quick fire question round. I've got a couple of questions here. Um, where, where are you currently working? Uh, I work for Tata Consultancy um, Services, so TCS. Um, so I'm the next gen um, practice director for the APAC region. So we focus on on transformation side of the business. Um, so TCS has a, has a long history, I think, with some of the larger clients in terms of managed services. Uh, but we are working with um, with you know Oracle and SAP and, and other customers to look at how we can transform their business and um, and get involved with. Um, with their implementations, so. Excellent, I'm sure we'll learn a bit more about um, your role in the company uh, later on in the podcast, and we, we'll tap into that. A um, bit more personal stuff about yourself. Obviously, you're on a podcast. Um, what is your favourite podcast? And you can say Configure It Done if you want to. Uh, yeah, I, I have had a look at a few of yours and I thought they were really good. Um, I, I like, um, you know, um, I guess a lot of the self-help type um, type podcasts and uh, there's there's one that I've recently taken up called uh, Do You Effing Mind? And uh, it, it's it's about, um, I guess, mindfulness and, and being aware of um, and, and one in particular is is teaching people how to how to treat you and um, and so they delve into uh, to the workings of the mind, and uh, and so yeah, I I really enjoy that. And there's some other good ones in that series. So brilliant. Okay, I'll be sure to have a listen to that. And um, favorite book? Um, I love um, Essentialism by Greg McCohen. It's um you know it's the pursuit of less, I guess. Uh, what is the minimum path to getting things done? And I think in in these sorts of in the work that I do in terms of transformation, um, the path of least resistance is always the best, right? So, um, so I look at uh, how we can strip back our lives and 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 just uh, survive, I guess, on the bare minimum and and get to where we need to be quicker. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Thank Jay, you. have you read that one? By the way, it's amazing. I haven't. No, I haven't. It's really, really good. It's very um, uh, like anti sort of hustle culture, but in a positive way. Like it still talks about the value of working hard and getting things done, but just not overfilling your schedule. Because if you don't have time to sit down and think, you're not even going to go anywhere in the first place. I, I loved it. Such a good book. I'm currently um, reading the, the High Performance um, book. So there, there's a podcast series um, and it interviews um, high performers, a bit like Lexi, and um, they basically just 
put all the best bits together of all these podcasts and made a book. So it's Jake Humphrey. And um, yeah, that's that's fantastic. So that's what I'm reading at the moment. Um, but on to back on to yourself, Lexi. So favourite music or, or film? Um, oh, well, I'm, I love Quentin Tarantino and I love all those older movies. I guess I'm showing my age. But um, yeah, the Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, you yeah. know, Reservoir Dogs was like one of my favourites. Um, Little Green Bag, I love that song. So it, every time it comes on, it always makes me happy. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, Tarantino's on the Miramax, isn't he? And um, I didn't realise that Disney actually owned that. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And so I've, I've been uh, going back and watching some of the older ones um, in the last uh, last few weeks in, in over the Christmas break. Brilliant. Okay. Um, Favourite restaurant? Um, I love Watson's um, uh, on the Bay. You know, um, it's a beautiful seafood restaurant and an amazing view of the harbour. And um, yeah, whenever I, whenever I get the chance, we'll get together with some friends and uh, it's, a, it's a great place to relax. Yeah, great spot. I was there over Christmas, actually, and um, I just moved to Manly so you can get the ferry over to Watson's Bay. So, yeah, great spot. Um, what's your favourite uh, destination or holiday destination? Well, I um, I love skiing and um, and one of my favourite places is, is Whistler um, in Canada. And uh, because there's so much you can do there, skiing, snowboarding, um, you know, sledding or, you know, and there's summer you can also mountain bike and... Um, you know, it's a, it's a great place and uh, there's a really great vibe of people. And, um, yeah, so some of the resorts in BC and, yeah, I'm hoping to get back and do a bit more a bit more skiing when the, when the borders open up again. So Excellent. Okay. And then um, your management style, Lexi, if you could describe that in one word, what would it be? Well, I guess what I try to do is, um, so I would say servant leadership, you know, I'm here to serve my team, you know, and I, I think one thing I've found as I've tra- transitioned from from a project, SAP project manager role into program management is is the need to service your team and check in on people all the time and, and never more so now than this pandemic, you know, and really understanding what's holding people back and how can I make them more successful. Um, and that uh, works for our team, you know, um, they back me, I back them and um, it, it becomes, a, I guess, a win-win. But I guess unless, you, unless you're prepared to serve, then you shouldn't be prepared to step up and lead. <laughs> Have you got any um, examples of that, um, Lexi, that you've done recently with your team through the pandemic? Yeah, so, um, you know, I recently come off um, a, a big project with one of Australia's major retailers and um, and we were working on um, uh, replatforming to Azure, and a lot of our team uh, were based in uh, in India and offshore. And um, it, it is really tricky with a with a time schedule that you can't move, and um, and there's business constraints. So really being able to tap into what's driving people and what are the blockers on a program is so important to meeting those deadlines, um, um, particularly where you have a lot of offshore team members. And and also it becomes more so now that effectively interstate now, we're almost offshore, right? <laughs> um, so we're working with teams, uh, you know, in, in Western Australia and in Perth and in New Zealand, just as much as we are with some of our overseas counterparts. So 
um, you know, really checking in on people each day and, and even just a quick 15 minutes. So what's going on? How's it going? You know, is there anything else that, that can be done? Where do you think that, that we're going to get held up and, and start to tap into signs of any sort of risks and issues that are that are going to really, um, you know, delay the program in any way um, and, and get on top of it as quickly as possible? That's um that's exactly Jay's leadership style, by the way. I love it. I can I can attest to it because he's my team lead and it makes a massive difference when you know I don't know how you're gonna take this publicly, Jay, because <laughs> he's not the best at, at taking compliments, but um but it makes a huge difference to to the way that your team respond because they know that they can reach out to you and get support rather than like punishment for not knowing what to do, if that makes sense. Mm, um, yeah, a, a problem so shared is always a problem solved, right? Like um, you know, you can always bring a different perspective on things and, and sometimes when people are working from home on their own and they, they come across issues, they feel, you know, isolated in many ways. So, you know, really um, getting to know people and try and get everyone to keep their cameras on so you can see if they're really okay, right? <laughs> I love it. Um, and Lexi, what's a bucket list thing for you to do? Well, I, yeah, I've had a lot of time, I guess, not on the snow. So I, I've I've always wanted to go to Japan, and um, you know, so that that for me is is something that I really wanted to do this this uh, summer in Australia. But it's not probably not going to happen now because the the borders are not going to be open before the snow melts. So. Yeah, so hopefully next year, you know, um, the Japanese culture and the people and the food, um, you know, what's not to love, you know, and um, and my, my parents recently did a trip there for the um, the spring festival in Kyoto and um, and they just told me how, how amazing it was and it doesn't matter what age you are, um, there's always something to learn there, right? So I thought, yeah, it's it's definitely something I want to do. Absolutely, I love it. Um, so, Lexi, the um, the biggest reason I wanted to get you onto this podcast, actually, um, we've we've done um, some different work and podcasts and had a lot of conversations with clients about diversity and especially women in SAP. And you posted, I don't know if I showed you, Jay, but you posted this picture with all of your amazing team members um, from TCS, and it was it was all women. Um, and I gave you a call to talk about it, and you were talking about how you're really passionate about um, bolstering women, especially within SAP, and providing them with more opportunities so that they can move up, essentially, um, which I think is a really relevant topic at the moment. Um, so we'll get into that soon. Um, but first, I wanted to ask you, what initially drew you into SAP, um, and what's changed since you first started your SAP journey? Yeah, thanks, Beth. Um, I I was I joined SAP or started working with SAP um, back in the early nineties. Um, as soon as I finished uni, um, I, I I got a job on um, a SAP implementation project with um, Pasminko Mining in uh, in Melbourne. So Pasminko were one of the first companies to to step into SAP R three, the old older version. And uh, so, so my I was working in the HR team, looking at moving all of their HR records and their processes and systems across to SAP. Uh, so in that in that job, I travelled around to the mine sites and smelters, and and got to know some of the people people on the ground, and um, 
and I guess started the journey and, you know, people met it with a lot of reservation, you know, why do you need all that, my information, what are you going to do with it, you know, and how is this going to help me? And, you know, I think um, back then it was about efficiency, you know, trying to, to, to get rid of the blockers in people's daily work days and make things easier to get things done. And I don't think that um, that SAP has changed in that way because um, in the most one of the most recent implementations I did, we were looking at um, machine learning and and robotics and things like that and uh, robotic process automation. And um, so in the manufacturing implementation that I did, we were looking at getting um, ruggedized tablets onto the shop floor so that they could enter in all their QA results. Instead of transcribing all their barcodes three times onto paper uh, to finish a manufacturing process. So it makes the whole end-to-end -end, you know, process much simpler. And um, and even people who haven't had experience with with uh, you know hands-on with computers can definitely see the benefit of being able to scan a barcode instead of having to transcribe it onto paper and 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 the inefficiency associated with that. So um, I think SAP is amazing the way that they have evolved over the last 20 or so years in um, in staying ahead of uh, of you know the latest uh, uh, advances in in work processes and practices and and making life easier for for businesses to run right mm -hmm. absolutely so Lexi obviously Bethany um, at the beginning uh, touched on um, and women there in, in SAP. Now we've just recently done a, a talent survey and um, we send out the survey to over 6,000 um, SAP resources and that one of the um, the questions was basically are you, are you male or female and um, only 20% of the market from those 6,000 came back as, as women so it's a real challenge in the market as a lack of um, women um, and like I said we've spoken before about women in SAP can you can you tell me a bit more about the vision you have for women in, in SAP and and secondly, what would you like to see change? Yeah, I think um, it's not a natural path. I think for for women to get into these type of leadership roles, um, particularly around the program management space um, and the project management space. Um, so you know what I've been trying to do in my role in TCS is really work with. We have some amazing talent in terms of uh, technical leads uh, who have have started to take on more active roles in terms of transformation. And I think also to the way that SAP has changed is it's no longer a purely programming type um, environment. It, it's so much more um, with transformation. It's uh, the business needs to to come across unified data structures. It's a lot more fit to standard. And so uh, it's not so much as I'm going to go away and build you the biggest and the best, most customised system that you won't know how to operate and you have to come to me to get my services to run it, right? So it starts to change where we, uh, as, as, a, as a system implementer, we're partnering with the business to, to help them run better, right? And um, so, so the role of the system implementer has also changed and with that, the role of women, you know, it's it's so much more important because it becomes about understanding where that customer is coming from and where they need to get to and bridging that gap and bringing them on that journey, you know, because 
quite often, you know, the old consulting way was, I'm going to come in and fix everything for you. And, um, you know, with the number of, um, you know, implementations that failed, you know, um, and, and at the moment I'm, I'm doing a post-implementation review on a, on a project that hasn't gone so well. And, and always it comes back to, did we listen to the business? And active listening is, is so important uh, to get a good outcome for the customer. And that's where women really can, can bring a new perspective um, to the consulting and the system implementer side of SAP because we're able to understand that, empathetically listen, understand where they're at and see with vision where they need to get to and partner with them to, to get to that place. You know, So it's, it's a lot more about business readiness. It's a lot more about change management because originally, I guess, we looked at SAP implementation, so said, was it on time? Was it on budget? Okay, it's successful. And then how many SAP implementations do you hear about where, yes, it was on time, yes, it was on budget, but all the people in the business are whining, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're like, I can't do what I used to be able to do, right? Um, and, and is that not the measure of whether, you know, first of all, you should be able to do what you could do before and you should be able to do a whole lot more, right? So, you know, I think that the business readiness and the change management is something on so many projects that gets very much overlooked mm. and or it gets in, deployed on a project as a separate division. Oh, we'll get someone to do that fluffy stuff, right? That's not my problem in project management. Wrong, you know, it has to be hand in hand with the project, you know, it has to be uh, it's the eyes and ears of what's going on with the client. So if it's not involved in managing, I guess, those risks and issues and and identifying, um, I guess, critical success factors and meeting those critical success factors, then um, it's not going to be a successful project. So so one of the things that I'm trying to work with um, with our team and, and on a most recent project, we had a brilliant QA lead. We had a, a really fantastic lead um bethany was talking about the photo of um of the women that we had in that in that team and um one of them was the the qa lead who was meticulous who who uncovered any problem and always brought that brought it to to the program attention and and likewise the the lady who was running the uat um, she was in touch with a lot of people in the business. She knew where the the problem children were. <laughs> and, um, she would say, okay, we need to work on this, you know. And so bringing those leads forward and start to procure them as leaders uh, in, in the SAP landscape, they're the people who not only have the technical skills, like above and beyond anything I would know, right, <laughs> but they also have the makings of being a fantastic leader, you know. So we need to procure those those um, those people who have been working, you know, five to ten years in SAP who need that new opportunity, who need that step up, right? And and coach them to to let them know they can do it, right? And um, you know, I sort of always, you know, try and talk with them about why can't you do that, you know, and and try to get them to to step forward and take ownership of a lot of these things um, because at the end of the day that's the bond that gets the project through you know that that relationship that they have with with key people with that with our clients and so forth um, 
that's what makes it successful. Sure, sure. So it's almost like um, almost building confidence and, and making sure that they are aware that they, they can do this. Yeah. 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 And and what you're talking about um, with with women in leadership and women in SAP basically is the personality differences. Um, and like I've met women that are not like that at all. They're not really, you know, the, empathy is not their thing and they like tinkering with things. And, you know, it's a more you know, masculine oriented personality trait. So there's always going to be outliers, but for the most part, it's all on a on a bell curve. And most sort of females sit within this very relational area. And that's how their personalities are oriented. And most men, um, this might be controversial, but most men tend to be, you know, the opposite. And they're more about things. Women tend to be about people and men tend to be, be about things. So um, I think what you're saying is the reason women are really important in leadership is because we do have that level of empathy and we're really relational. And if you don't get the initial relationship right between the business and then the technical teams, you know, an implementation isn't going to go right in the first place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. And so I think a lot of the time, though, those people, they, they do have those technical skills that the men have, but have got, but they don't necessarily go above and beyond and and own that situation and take the ownership with the client. And and that's important for integrity and trust, you know, because they're the two things that that make a strong team. And um and the team is never going to be the client and the system implementer uh, and SAP and Microsoft. It has to come together, you know, and and so um it you know, when I say I check in on the team all the time, I'm check on checking on SAP. I check in on Microsoft. You know, how's things going? What's happening? Where do you think they're going to be issues? You know, so I treat them in the same way that I talk to my, you know, own TCS team members that I talk to my client team members. You know, um, because they're they have the foresight to see what's going to happen, right? And quite often, as a as a vendor, they sometimes don't feel that they can say the truth, right? So, um, you know, everybody's contribution does does bring it bring it to the fore, you know. I love that communication is key. Um, now, when when we first spoke the other week, um, you were juggling children and work, which is something I can massively relate to. I think you were in the car and you had kiddos because it was school holidays, and I've been in, in exactly the same same situation. Um, so, I wanted to ask you, what's the biggest piece of advice that you have? for working parents. Um, I think it's been a big issue since we've been in this pandemic and um, juggling kiddos and work. What's your biggest piece of advice? Yeah, well, I, I guess um, there's a tendency for pe- for parents to just give kids everything that they need and drop everything and drop their own stuff. And and uh, I've never been about that. You know, um, when I first, when I had my first child, um, you know, I went back to Europe at six weeks after she was born and all I had was a, a baby carrier and, and a blanket, right? And I had nothing. And I always maintained that I wasn't going to change um, when I had kids because, um, you know, when I was younger, you know, when I was working in management consulting and there was always parents who were like, oh, I've got to drop everything because my kids need me right now. And I used to hate that because I was like, how is it fair that someone like me has to lift it, lift, lift the weight for everyone else, right? So when I had my kids, I was like, you have to be independent. And I've always spoken to them uh, as adults from when they were very young. And um, and I encourage them to, to get jobs and, and catch public transport in the safest way, you know. Um, 
and and that sort of thing as they've got older um, and not to treat me as a servant <laughs> um, because you know I have a life too and I have to get to the gym and I have friends that I need to catch up with and maintain and we can still celebrate the the wins and losses in our lives, you know, um, both their lives and my lives. It's not always about them, you know, and, uh, and you know, I think that there's a level of respect that comes with that because, um, you know, they always want to do stuff with me when I have free time, you know, so that's good, right? Um, it's good when you get to teenage years and they actually want to come and do stuff with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I really, really love that, honestly. I was raised in a really similar way and it fostered a lot of independence because I knew that my mother prioritised taking care of herself and making sure that she got out to see girlfriends and she always made us beautiful, healthy dinners and helped with homework and, you know, she did all of that, you know what I mean? So I never felt cast by the wayside, but I knew that she was her own independent person um, and that made it, I suppose, a lot easier to be independent. The more independent they are, the more they'll kind of, you know, take care of themselves and not rely on you if you've got work to do and stuff to get done. Love it. That's right. Yeah. And, um, you know, you like you, I think you said to me, you know, that, you know, moms who, you know, go and make their kids elaborate lunches and then they eat the scraps for themselves. I mean, that's yeah, like the crust of the sandwich. And I'm like, no, yeah, that's just rubbish. Right. Like we are all equal, you know, and, you know, and I think that that people who raise kids that don't aren't independent, you know, they breed that they have a sense of entitlement. And I mean, you guys would probably see that in recruitment, right? <laughs> um, people who rock in, come straight from uni and go, where's my, you know, $100,000 job, right? <laughs> and <laughs> And it's Funny probably it's a common scenario, I'm sure, right? So but, true. Uh, so true. And, and my daughter recently, she she got a job um, working at at a florist uh, near, near our house, and um, and she was so nervous as she taking a resume in there. And the guy said he's Italian. He said she's going to work hard, and I said, yeah, she'll work hard. He said she's going to sweep the floor. I said, yeah, she'll sweep the floor. And the first first weekend she worked there, he made her weed all between the bricks in the car park. And it was hot day and she came home and she was like, oh, mom, I don't know how long I'm going to do this. Maybe I'm better off to leave and go to McDonald's. And the next day she went into work and um, and he gave he took her to the cool room and he said, you worked really hard yesterday. And he goes, I'll give you an extra $50 um, for your hard work. And she was came home and she was so excited. And she said, mom, you wouldn't believe it. I got $50. And I was like, wow. And she said, you know, I was just cursing after that yesterday. And I said, we'll see when you just, you know, get on and get the work done, you get rewarded. Right. And, and so for me, that's special. They're the little wins in life that, um, yeah, that are that are worth noting, right? <laughs> That's brilliant. What a great example that is, um, Lexi. I'd love to um, um, tap into your knowledge again and steer the conversation back to to women in uh, tech, and again get your one piece of advice on what you would um, give women in tech. Um, and obviously, I reverted to that talent survey earlier, and uh, only twenty percent the SAP community are are women. So, yeah, how how do we get more women into SAP? Yeah, I think um, I was listening to one of your podcasts about the way the education system is, um, you know, one of the other guests was talking about how how the schooling hasn't changed uh, over the last few years. And, um, you know, I have a daughter in year 11 and, and she's coming into, um, uh, you know, the final year of school. And um, she said to me, you know, I, I just don't know that, um, that I'm going to be able to get into medicine, you know, and I'm like, well, 
you know, first of all, I, I was never good at science, right? And, um, and, and it's just about having that mentorship at the early stages of your career where you, you see that there are openings and there's more than one way to get into, um, into a career, you know. Um, one of the things that um, TCS has, has recently partnered with um, Deakin University uh, and we are sponsoring um, uh, upcoming women into technology um, through Deakin University and pathways for women into leadership roles um, through, you know, through higher education. And, you know, there was nothing like that when I went, I mean, I went to Melbourne Uni and everybody who did commerce did accounting and went to work for one of the big four. That's what you, that's what you did, right? But, um, you know, I, I sort of took a left turn and, and ended up in, um, in, in, in SAP, partly because of my love of business process re-engineering and that side of things. And, and it just fitted well with me, right? But um, there, a lot of people don't see pathways from those initial, you know, science, arts, law, commerce degrees and so forth. They don't see the transition from from a degree into a career path and and where that can take them on the journey. And I think one of your other people who was on the podcast was talking about how you start off and you, you know, I, I started very much more in HR and then went into HRIS systems um, payroll and then then in the last few years I've been much more involved with manufacturing and supply chain and that brings different learnings and 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 different exposures to people so um, you know I think particularly around supply chain and logistics there is very few women in that area and manufacturing very few women in that area um, you tend to get a lot more in in HR and 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 finance um, and those sort of areas, but um, you know, a lot of the people that coming into it, who are working in the functional areas in SAP are coming from an engineering background, um, and, and so you know, it's not necessarily you know just one path to get to where you need to be. So if you look at the, a lot of the people in SAP now, the people who work in manufacturing they've come from engineering, and a lot of the people who come in the HR and the finance areas come from from business based backgrounds. So those pathways, um, I think, from from uni to to careers, and and companies like TCS, um, Accenture, Deloitte, they have a responsibility to to build that right, and that's why we are getting uh, involved with with Deakin University to to start to build those pathways um, for up and coming um, you know graduates um, to understand you know, that there is opportunities there and there's an amazing career that they can have. I love that. And that's exactly how you do it, honestly. I think it's um, uh, partnering with universities and ensuring that women know that there's confidence to enter into SAP and what SAP looks like. And here's women that are in SAP. And, um, you know, when you're doing that, it's a lot easier to attract women into the SAP space. And graduates um, and graduates starting in a mentorship program with with people who've had you know a seasoned experience through different implementations. Like I still learn so much from um, from a lot of the other partners within our practice, not just in Australia but also overseas. And you know, on one of my most recent engagements, um, I I got teamed up with with a with a um, partner who's in Texas and. 
Um, you know, so he, he did some work on the on the Boots Walgreens um, uh, alliance. Um, they they basically did the SAP replatform to to Azure, which was similar to the project that I was doing last year. And um, you know, when I came to difficult points, uh, difficult steer codes with some difficult situations, he he you know called on his experience and and coached me through some of those things and said, you know, what to look for and where to go. And um, so those mentoring and coaching opportunities are so vital, um, I know for me, to get to where I am now. Um, so it, it's important that when we when we come across graduates that we foster them uh, into to be successful and to help them grow, you know. I completely agree, I love it. And speaking of, of coaching and mentoring, actually, uh, we wanted to ask you, um, it's clear that throughout your career, you've you've worked hard to get to where you are. Who's been the biggest influence in your career and and what would you say they really taught you? I know it sounds cheesy, but, you know, it would have to be my dad, right? <laughs> um, my my dad yeah. was, a, was a pharmacist and um, and we grew up behind my dad's pharmacy in, in country Victoria and um, I started working for my dad when I was about 11, um, you know, just packing shelves and, and wiping things down and, um, you know, opening the door for customers and things like that. And, um, you know, my dad always put customers first. Um, he always um, taught me, I guess, that perseverance and, and hard work is is what you've got to do. There isn't a, a, a light switch that you can flick to make things happen for you um you need to make it happen for yourself you know and and that sort of helped me pretty well through life you know I don't expect anything from anyone <laughs> um and you know I always you know a master of my own destiny and that that definitely comes from my dad and and he's he's um small business hard work ethic I guess <laughs> Excellent. And um, next, I've really enjoyed um, your, your company and tapping into your insights on, on this podcast today. Before we um, um, let you go, um, have a think about who you'd like to um, see on the podcast. But I've got one one question before then. Um, and that is, if you cast your mind back to when you was kind of working with your dad, what's the one thing you would tell your, your younger self? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think you've got to do what makes you happy. Um, and I know that sounds kind of cliche, but, um, you know, just talking to my daughter about, um, you know, her decisions on with her subjects and so forth, um, like maths and, and, and chemistry comes easy to her. She loves it, you know, and she's curious and she has that mindset. And she said, well, I don't know what I'm going to do, what degree I'm going to do. And she said, but I'm, you know, I... Um, you know, I find it easy, you know, and then she gets good marks in that area. So what comes easy to you, you know, and, and what you enjoy, um, you, you have to foster that and say, okay, um, I need to find how I can make a career out of that, you know, be it whatever it is, you know, um, because if you end up doing something you really, really don't like, um, and, and again, I'll come back to my dad, right? Because uh, his father wanted him to to study medicine, and um, and so by default he went into pharmacy, and he wasn't really happy for a lot of period of his life. 
and until he ended up selling the pharmacy and and he bought a farm and uh, and he, he he had um chestnuts and and cattle and and that sort of thing and you know so in some ways you do need to follow your heart to what makes you happy and find a way to make it profitable <laughs> to, to pay the bills right um and so yeah if you have a passion then you, you really have to have to go with that and um you know mine is 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 efficiency and business process improvement i get excited about that um and and so this is why it's been great for me to have a career um working with sap because um you know that they make businesses run better right that's what they they have the tools that we can bring to the customer to to make the businesses run better so yeah you have to find something that makes you happy and work with that excellent excellent well i don't know about you bethany but um i've really enjoyed today that was absolutely fantastic and um like i said and before we let you go um, lexi is there anyone else you would love to see on the configure it done podcast yeah, I, I would really love to see um, a good a good colleague of mine, friend of mine, um, Aidan Brecknell. He was um, the the GM of uh, the supply chain here in Australia, and he worked with me on on um, on my first S4 Hana Cloud um, implementation. And um, he he has um, come from working in a family business similar to me, and he worked very hard within SAP. And recently, he's been appointed um, CRO at SUSE, um Australia, APAC region. Um, so um, he has a, an amazing experience, not only within SAP, but within the technology community in Australia. And uh, he's been someone who's been extremely supportive of me uh, throughout my career. And uh, I'm so happy for him with this new appointment. So I, I would love to hear more about his journey. Excellent. Excellent. We'll I definitely agree. reach out to him. <laughs> 100%. All right, Lexi, well, thank you very much for your time. That was absolutely fantastic. Yep. Great. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Bethany. Thanks, Lexi.